uh, is important where we are as a church geographically. We're right in the middle of the city. And second of all, because English is something that is a huge part of who we are. It's a huge part of our identity. And uh, it can be a huge part of how we connect with one another and how we connect with God. And so it's an opportunity to reach out into the city and to give us an opportunity to connect with God in English. So if English is something you're comfortable with, this is a place for you. It's, it doesn't matter what your English language background is. If it's a second language or a first language, we just want to welcome you and thank you for coming. And I also want to emphasize that I don't think it's an accident that any of us are here. I think that uh, God brought this uh, service together. It was something that he laid on a few people's hearts and he brought together. And so I'm encouraged to see you guys here. And yeah, I think that God is the one that brought us here. So as Giannis mentioned, I'm Brandon. I am one of the leaders here of Church at Five of this service. I originally come from the States, from Texas, and I've, but I've been living here in Germany for about six years, a little over six years. And so this is my home. This is uh, where I am. This is where I want to be. This is where God has put me. And um, last week I talked a little bit more about why I came here and what brought me here. You can listen to that online or come ask me any questions you have after the service. But we have a lot of text that we're going to be diving into today, so I want to get into it as quickly as possible. Um, last week, we started going through the book of Galatians. And in this first series for this, uh, for this service, we're going to be going through the book, so section by section. Not always verse by verse, but for the most part, looking at the whole letter from beginning to end. And um, I want to do that, one, because it's a letter. I think when we're reading a letter, we have to remember that it was written at once. It was written all the way through. And so we have to be able to look at each section and look at what the writer is saying, why it was written, and uh, what we can get from it. The second thing I want to point out is that we won't always do this. This isn't the rule that we're always going to go book by book. We're not going to always go through a book like this. But it was something that as I was praying about the beginning of this service and what God really wanted to do, it was really clear that he wanted us to do Galatians and that we needed to go through the whole book. And um, if I'm honest, it wasn't my first choice. It's kind of a, a hard letter and it has some kind of a very intense moments in the way that it's written. It's, very, it's written very passionately. Uh, but it was clear that's what God wanted us to do. And I think it's a cool letter to start for the beginning of a new service because it's a letter that deals with a lot of fundamental issues and talks a lot about what we really believe and cores of what we believe as Christians. And I want to say that if you're here today and you're not a believer and you're just checking this out, maybe just checking church out, um, we are going to be reading the Word of God. And it's something that deals with Christians, that's written a lot in, uh, directed at Christians and what we believe and why we believe what we believe. But I encourage you to hang in there with me. And um, I'm going to try to speak this as clearly as possible. But uh, if you have questions, if there's things that kind of interest you and you want to know more, I want to encourage you to come up and ask. Um, I won't guarantee that I have all the answers, 
but I can guarantee you I won't lie to you, and I'll do my best to give you the answers you need. Um, a bit of background on this letter. <clears throat> this letter was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was written to the people of Galatia, thus the name Galatians. And it was written to a region. So this wasn't just one church. This wasn't just uh, even a couple churches, but several churches. And uh, I think even, and these churches would have probably have had small groups and sub-cell churches that had branched off from it. And these were churches that Paul himself had planted in his first missionary journey. This is important to remember because Paul had a connection with these people. We talked about this last week. Paul knew these people, and so even when we read this letter and it gets a little intense and he's a little seems a bit harsh, we have to remember that he loved these people. He had a connection with them. He had spent time with them. And that we have to remember that this was, again, a region. Because the, the letter was written as a response to some things that were plaguing the church at the time. And some doctrinal issues and some problems that were facing these churches. And this would have been to thousands, potentially, of believers. So a large amount of people would have read this letter that Paul writ, uh, Paul wrote. And um, the only reason I emphasize that is to show that the issue that was facing these churches was a big issue. It was something that wasn't just happening to a small sect or a small group of people, but to a large community of churches. Um, before we get started, before we dive in any deeper, I think I want to take a minute and just pray and give this service over to God. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much that we can come together in a church and worship you, come together and look at your word and be taught by you. I ask that you would speak through me, that my heart would be open to what you want to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the problem that they were facing was that as Paul went and did uh, his, minister, his missionary journey, he was followed by these people that would come in and try to take over churches and mislead the people. And the, they were called Judaizers. Am I saying that right? I'm looking at Sam. All right. <laughs> and uh, they were Jewish Christians. But uh, the problem was is that they believed in Jesus. They believed in faith in Jesus was the beginning of salvation. But that it wasn't enough. That you had to have more than just belief in Jesus. That you also, and they especially emphasized the importance of circumcision, that men had to be circumcised in order to be called Christians in the church, and that they had to follow the law of the Old Testament. So this is why the letter was written. This is a bit of background, and I always want to kind of come back to that because uh, as we go through the letter, we have to keep in mind of the kind of the point and the reason for it was uh, for its writing. Excuse me, I have to drink some water. Kind of coming over a cold. But it's okay. Let's go ahead and get ready to dive into our text. 
So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them, turn them on. I want to encourage you, if you do have a Bible, to read along with. It can be really good for us to see the text and to be connected to the text ourselves. Now, last week, we did go uh, verses 5, uh, 1 through 5. And, uh, but today, we're actually going to skip down, but we're not uh, completely skipping it. We're going to come back and uh, look at that text later where Paul kind of revisits a lot of the issues that are kind of mentioned in that. So we're going to be starting in verse 11. And uh, Paul here is kind of, again, emphasizing his authority as an apostle. Something that the, the Judaizers were doing uh, was they were discrediting Paul as an apostle, and then they were discrediting his gospel. So first they tried to break down, okay, hey, this guy had, you know, all these horrible things he did. And this is what we looked at last week. And uh, who is he really? Should you really listen to what he has to say? And then from there, they completely tore down his gospel and said, yeah, okay, Paul told you that, you, that faith in Jesus gets you saved. But he didn't know the whole story. But we're experts, so you can trust us. And that's what's going on here. And so in this text, Paul is kind of first showing, hey, the gospel, he's showing where the gospel that he preached came from. So let's read verses 11 and 12. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, last week, we looked at Paul's conversion. So, in the book of Acts, you can read the whole story in a lot more detail. But just touching on it quickly, Paul had this really dramatic and uh, miraculous conversion. And Jesus coming down out of heaven, bright lights, loud voices, telling, asking, why are you persecuting me? And this was just a small glimpse of how Paul was not just an ordinary guy, but somebody that was specifically chosen by Christ to be an apostle. And here we can see that his, the gospel that he preached on Jesus was something that was directly revealed to him by Christ. And today, as we're going through this text, we're going to look at the text as what's happening in the text. But I also want to kind of bring out this idea that really God laid on my heart as I was going through this text of God's call on our life. What is God's call on our life? It's something that we ask a lot. And um, we're going to talk about God's work in our hearts and how God works in our lives. And when we're talking about God's call in our life, I think we can look at Paul's example as Paul's gospel was revealed to him by Jesus Christ, God's work in our hearts is something that's revealed to us by Jesus. It's something that comes to us through his work in us. And we know that, and I think a lot of us can relate to this when we think about when we pray for somebody. God, work in their heart. God, open their hearts. God, we want to, our hearts to be open to what you have for us. And this is, our prayer here is God's revealing in someone's heart. 
God's opening them up and showing them something that they couldn't see on their own. And that's what we're going to be looking at today when we talk about God's call on our life is this revelation, something that is broken down and opened up within us by Christ, showing us things that we could not see on our own. Getting back to our text, I want to go into verse 13 and 14. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Now, when we look at Paul's life as a whole, we look at, especially if you read through Acts and you see some of the amazing things Paul did, miraculous signs and wonders, miracles, people, the blind seeing, the lame walking. Paul wrote some 70% of the New Testament, most of it, a large quantity of it. God did some amazing things through Paul. And we really can't even fully grasp the extent of what God's work through Paul is because we're reading his text right now. God's using his text to speak to us today, and he will for generations to come. So we don't even know all of the people that were affected by Paul's life and what God did through him. And yet, when we read this text, we see that Paul had a past, that Paul had his life before his grand conversion. Paul had his life before God started to use him. I mean, he sought to destroy Christianity itself through imprisoning or executing men, women, and children. Anybody who would not convert away from Christianity, anybody who would say, I believe in Jesus, he sought to kill them. And he says he was extremely zealous for it. So he's, not, he's saying, not only was I executing people and seeking to kill Christianity itself, but I was good at it. And I did it passionately. And I did it with all that I had. And to me, this is a, I don't know, it, it, these, this phrase, my previous way of life is something that sticks to me and, and kind of clings to me in a certain way. Because I have a past. I have, a, I have seasons of my life that were, I don't look fondly upon. And I don't know, I might be the only one. Maybe no one here has any regrets, any past. But uh, I have a feeling there might be at least one or two of us that know what I'm talking about. I grew up in church. I was, uh, you know, the good Christian young man playing in the worship band and going to all the mission trips and retreats and really, you know, really living the life, the Christian youth life in America. And, um, but in my late teens, I redirected my life to focus on me. 
and music kind of became an idol in my life where I just wanted to be a rock star or something like that and was drinking and partying and yeah, it's it's not something that I I look fondly upon but I look back and I see now that uh, my sin was that I was just focused on me. My sin was my self-centeredness. And it's something that I see in the text here. When Paul compares himself, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond all my own age. He's talking about this self-centeredness. So he, what he did, and I think at the time he thought he was doing what was right, right? So it's a little bit different. He thought I was, he was doing the right thing. He thought he was doing God's work. But when he looked back, he saw that it was only about himself, about his rising up in the ranks amongst the people that he was with, about doing it uh, extremely with extreme zeal, zeal, well, extremely zealously. <laughs> I got through that, yes, with zeal, thank you. It was up there somewhere, just bouncing around. So, and something that really popped out to me, and we're going to look at this as a comparison as we go through the verses. But everything in this section, in verse 13 and 14, is all about himself. He says, you know, in my previous life, I persecuted the church of God. I was advancing. I, it's all about himself it was all self-centered so it didn't really matter what he thought at the time when he looked back he saw it was all about me it was all about what i was doing and there's two things that are important about that one is that living a selfish a self-centered life is sinful and i think that's what paul is paul's drawing attention to but also he's owning it He's not saying, you know, I was advancing because it was the cool thing to do and everybody was kind of like pressuring me. I was persecuting Jew, uh, Christians because, you know, I wanted to look good for the Pharisees and the leaders that I was with. He doesn't blame his actions on anyone else. He says, no, I, I was persecuting the church. I was doing those things. I think that really also kind of spoke to me in knowing that we have a past, knowing that uh, there can be times in our life where we didn't live for God or we lived for ourselves. But we can own that and say, okay, that, that's no one else's fault. I chose to do that. I chose to live my life that way. Even though when we look at these at our past, it can make us feel inadequate. It can make us feel not worthy of God's call. It can make us feel like, how could God use me with my past? But here's where it gets really interesting. If we look at verse 15 and 16. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I want to stop there because that's huge. I don't want us to miss what Paul just said 
First of all, transitioning from uh, verse, the previous verses, verse 13 and 14, to 15 and 16, it switches from I to God. But when God did this, but when God called me, but when God was pleased to reveal himself to me through his grace, there's a huge transition. Hey, I have a past, and it was all about me, but then God did this. Man, that's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that, that to me was something I could just camp in and just meditate on for a minute. But when God, and what's really interesting is that when we really examine this text, what it's really saying is that God didn't, it wasn't that as soon as Paul decided to do this or to do that in his life, that God put a call on his life. Before Paul's conversion, before his mighty works, before his ministry, before his writings, Paul had a past, a past that was all about himself and that he owned. But what's really interesting is God called him before his past. Paul's call, the call of God on Paul's life happened before his past, before he did those things, before he sought to destroy Christianity, before he lived for himself. God's call was already there. When was his call? I mean, this is the text. This is what the Bible says. God set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. That's huge. God's call on Paul's life happened before his past. And God's call on your life today was before your past. So when you look back at your life and you think, ah, oh, man, I did, I messed it up. It's too late. There's no hope. I've, uh, you, you don't know what I've done. God's call on your life started before that. It started before your past. God knows you. He knows who you are. He knows who you were. And when he called you, when he created you, he called you. And he knew the things you would do. He knew the decisions you would make. He knew the roads you would take. And he was always there. Paul, God was in Paul's life long before we see his conversion. And Paul says, back in my mother's womb, God was there, setting me apart for the purpose that he had for my life. And I believe that that's true for us. It's true for us. All, that, all those who believe on Christ, and I think clearly in the text we see, that call started when God created you. And it definitely happened before your past, before you did anything for yourself, before you made those mistakes, before you had that crazy summer where you did those things. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. God's call on your life happened before that. 
And when we talk about God's call, I think we tend to think of it, there's two ways that we think of it. We think of it first as this kind of, uh, I think first we think of it as a decision. Oh, you know, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do now or with this? And I want to look at that. But I want to start with God's call in your life that happened when you were created. When God created you, he put a call on your life. That God, God's working in us. And God's work in us already began and is continuing today. I mean, my favorite verse for this, pretty famous one, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The work that God began in you, in your mother's womb, he's continuing to completion. So God's call on our lives God, is really God's work in our lives. It's a continuing thing. It's something that began when he created us. And isn't completed until the end when Jesus comes or we go to Jesus, whichever comes first. And this means that we can start living this out now. So the first thing when we talk about God's call, and again, I'm going to talk about specific decisions that we make here in a minute. But I want to start with when we talk about God's call, we're talking about God's work, that God is working in your heart He's transforming your life. And that starts now. That means we can live that now because God knows who you are. He knows what you are. He knows what you've done. He knows what you will do. So it doesn't, our, our call on, that God has on our life is who we are, where we are, and what we are right now. We're living in God's call. So it's not something that happens down the road. I really want to emphasize this because it's something I think we hear a lot in Christian circles. What is God's call in my life? You know, how do I get God's call in my life? How do I do what God's calling me to do? Well, first, start now where you are with who you are and what you're doing. We can start by living for God now. So God is first calling us. He's calling you to be you. He created you. The call started when he created you. So he knows who you are. He's working right now in you. Let's continue in our text. Verse, well, the rest of verse 16 through 22. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before me, before I was. But I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, or Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the, of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing, what I'm writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. Now, a couple things I want us to note, especially in dealing with the call 
of God in our lives as we see God's call in Paul's life. He immediately didn't go to any human beings. He didn't go and talk to anybody about it. But first, he knew his call himself. He was chosen by God, and he finds his identity first in that call. And I think that that's why I'm emphasizing this so much before we talk about kind of specific decisions we have to make in our lives, that we have to first understand this and grasp this, that God's work is alive and active and right now. And uh, going now to dealing with certain specific situations when we say, okay, you know, God, what am I supposed to do now? What am I, am I supposed to, should I move here or should I go and do missions in this place or should I marry this person? And uh, I'm talking specifically about situations where we feel something in our hearts. So not just I'd like to do this or this would be nice, but something that really God might be laying in your heart and it's a decision that you faced. This is something I've experienced. Uh, that's kind of how I ended up in Germany. It uh, was something that I went through this exact same thing of God putting something in my heart. And a formula that I kind of went through that I also think we see in Paul's example is uh, three, three things to remember when we feel something is in our heart. So we have a decision before us. We feel God is telling us to do this or that, or to go here, to go there, and we're not sure what to do with it. The first thing is, again, emphasizing this greatly, is to know God's call on your life and that it means God's work is in your life. That he knows you, that he's called you, and that he's molding you and working within you. We have to first grasp that before we dive into what do I do about this specific situation. So the first is to just know that call, to know who we are in Christ. The second is to seek God first. And this is where I draw back to Paul's example of my immediate response was not to consult any human being. Seeking God first. So you have something on your heart you don't have to go and tell, like, everybody you know about it and, like, you know, judge the, make a pros and cons for who agrees and who disagrees. First, seek God. Give it to God. Spend time praying about it. And spend time reading the word on things that would be appropriate to the subject. If God's calling you into missions, read about missions and see how God stirs in your heart. Um, and one thing that I really want to be clear and why it's so important to seek God first is that, and know the word, is because God will never lead you to do something that's against the word of God. Uh, true story, I read an article about this of, of people that had said to their pastor, you know, pastor, I, you know, I've been married for 10 years, but uh, I think I made a mistake, and the true love of my life is my secretary and... I just feel like God's leading me to leave my wife and marry my secretary. That's not God. It's something else entirely. It's definitely not God. God's never going to lead you to do something that's directly counter to the scripture. So if you have something on your heart in regards to a call on your life, first 
Seek God in prayer and in the word. The second, or sorry, third, we're already to three, is then you reach out. That's when you take time to find somebody that you can confide in. And this is where Paul, I think in Paul's example, he goes and gets acquainted with the leaders of the church. And I think that wasn't just, he doesn't put that in there just to give a timeline. I think he's showing that first he spent time seeking God. He didn't go straight to people. He sought God and he, and that's where you see the revelation coming to him. But second, he went to them and uh, also to show that, that he had their approval. It wasn't him alone. It wasn't just some guy saying, God said, it was, hey, also these church leaders, I confided in them, and they're also on board with what I'm saying. And that, I think, is an example we can use. If you have something that God's laying in your heart, a decision you need to make that's before you, it's good to find somebody that you can confide in. But there are some criteria. You don't want to just bring it to anybody. It should be someone, I think, first of all, that's going to be honest with you. So not someone who's just going to be like, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool, awesome, go for it, and not really listen to what you have to say. But somebody who's going to be honest and someone you can know is going to be honest if they disagree. Second, someone you can really pray with. Not just uh, talk about, but pray with. And someone who's going to have a maturity to pray with you and to, to know Scripture that y'all can look at together. You don't, if it's a big decision especially, it's not something that you want to just make based off of someone's opinion, but you want them to also be coming with you in prayer. And lastly, I think it has to be someone you trust because if God's laying something on your heart, confiding in someone can be a big thing. And so you don't want someone who's going to be like telling everyone, oh, yeah, they think they're called to missions or whatever or use it against you, but someone you trust that you can truly confide in about what God's leading you. So, that's kind of my criteria or, and what I think we see in the text of Paul's example when dealing with a specific call that maybe God, a decision that God might be placing before you. So start to finish up and read verses 23 and 24 and finish off chapter 1. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. God's work in our lives, God's call on our lives, whether it's when we're talking about the call of, on us as human beings, as God created us and the work that he's doing in us, or we're talking about specific times when God maybe leads us in a direction, it's the point is always to glorify God. God gets the glory when he works in us. We get the benefits because we are changed and molded for the better. But God gets the glory. And I mean, really clearly, and they praised God because of me. He's not talking about because of himself and anything that, that he did in himself because we see that it was God's grace, that it was God's grace that formed him in his mother's womb and set him apart for the purposes that he had. So when he says, they, and they praise God because of me, he's talking about who he is and what God had done in him. 
So when we're dealing with maybe times when we maybe feel down because of looking at our past, we can remember that God called us before that. When we're facing a decision that we have to make and, we're, and God's working in our hearts, we can trust him to lead us because he will continue, f- finish the work that he began in us. And a, a, a verse that I want to invite the band to go ahead and come up. Um, a verse that's one of many verses that deal with this. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is what, this is where we are. This is who we are. You know where you are. God knows where you are. He's working in you right now. And we can start by just living our lives for him, to glorify him in all that we do, in our school, in our class, at work, in our homes, in serving in our church. We can start now. And I'm always reminded of the old and kind of cheesy analogy of the ship that a ship rudder can go turn all the way left, right, but nothing happens if the ship isn't moving. So we have to start by just realizing that God's work in us is happening now and we can serve him today and trust him to lead us to where he has us, where he wants us to be. And trust him to change us and direct us on the path that he has before us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your call on our lives, for your work in our hearts. Help us to trust you to get us and to make us into who you've called us to be, starting from right now, starting from where we are today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to invite you guys to Worship, we're going to do one more song, and uh, 